Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode seven of Cult Cinema Catacombs. Um, I am Roy, and of course, joining me is uh, Mr. Farmer himself, Andrew Farmer. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That you, you were, you're changing me. I want you to understand that you are, you're changing me at a, at a molecular level. <laughs> What, what? So uh, when you say My this, personality is changing because we do this show. I was gonna say, is it like the first X Men movie where I'm zapping you and you're gonna become like this pure water being or something? Or yes, yeah, I'm gonna be the senator that falls out of a plane and washes up on a beach as a water baby, water baby <laughs> man. Well, it's interesting that you say water babies because that was almost going to be this episode was the live action animated movie, The Water Babies from England. Um, But I decided against that idea. Um, So be lucky I spared you that monstrosity that is known as The Water Babies. Um, I like that you say that and then you're going to. Do, and then you're going to do this to me. Like, I'd be glad I spared you this uh, atrocity. But here's this one. <laughs> um, well, before we get to uh, what this episode's movie is, I just want to go back to episode one of uh, Vanilla Sky. Uh, not Vanilla Sky. Uh, that would be an interesting Jesus, one to do. That's, you want to talk about a movie that's hard to watch. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an interesting one, is Vanilla Sky. Uh, no, Liquid Sky. Um, yes. I found the soundtrack on vinyl. I see you, you sent me a picture of it, which is is enraging to me that you have the vinyl of the score for this movie, and I don't. So it even has the um, the, the 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 rhythm box song on there too. Does, does it? Yes. The spoken word rap song. Oh, my watch decided it wanted to record this horrific <laughs> for posterity. I'm sure it has the 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 um, the spoken word whatever that monstrosity was. Yes, it has that. It has all the music that played in the club, um, oh and all the musical score and everything. And uh, yeah, I found it on eBay, and I went, "Oh God, I got to get this." And I will tell you, it's actually some of the best music to play while washing the dishes. <laughs> it has like this AMSR reaction to it when you're like playing it and you're washing the dishes and you're just like, oh, yes, this is nice. This is tingly. And then you're done washing the dishes and you realize, oh shit, I'm listening to the music from Liquid Sky. You find yourself in another room uh, full of mannequins and you're like, how did I get here? <laughs> and you find yourself saying delicious, delicious. You look through your window and looking in through the other side of the window is a German scientist um, trying to uh, trying to figure out UFOs, but he takes it real seriously and it's more important than shrimp. Yeah, there's this, yeah. I was gonna say there's a Jewish woman eating shrimp behind it. <laughs> I'll never, I'll never forget the first time. Let's just put it that way. There's, that is a movie that will haunt everybody forever who sees it, whether it's in a good way or a bad way. I remember taking um, a friend of mine, Jimmy, to go to a midnight screening of it, and at the end of it, he was just like, "I'm never gonna shake off that film." God damn you, Roy, for taking me to see this. <laughs> so, but since you since you said that and brought that up, I, I wanted to tie uh, tie that back into the film that we're doing this week. Oh God! <laughs> because here's the thing, and I won't I won't talk about the title or anything, right? When you a little peek behind the curtain, um, we do the show in two parts, which we've talked about. But Roy announces the week the the show before, then he sends me the trailer for the show mm-hmm. if there's a trailer av- available or a snippet or something for the show so that we have so i have some bearing to speak to it in the first part of the show then we watch the show and record the second especially if it's a, it's a movie that he's never seen or i've never seen and and so far you've not seen any of these movies at all and Correct. i've seen all but one which was the last episode the um the gate deceivers so generally he'll send me a, a a trailer and I'll watch it 
and I'll be like, oh, that's what this movie is going to be about, good or bad, right? That's mm-hmm. what a trailer is supposed to do. It's supposed to give you an idea of the film. It's supposed to entice you to see the film that you're going to watch. I don't think Myra Breckenridge, though, really gave you an idea of what you were about to experience when you watched but it, it. But it did in the sense that it gave me a time period and an idea of the tonal quality of what I was going to see. Like, like it gives you kind of... It puts your head in the space of, okay, this is what I'm going to, this is what I'm walking into, regardless of whether it lies to you or not. You got an idea. The trailer for the film that we're watching this time, I have no idea what I'm getting into besides (laughs) the fact that it is animated and there there is an Australian man in a Canadian tuxedo (laughs) that turns into two platypus. How does one man turn into two platypus? That's what I want to know. Is he someone in Australia? Does he mean anything? Should I know who he is? What is going on? Roy, what are we doing? Just tell me what we're doing. We are doing the 1977 Australian animated live action hybrid movie, Dot and the Kangaroo. Now, believe it or not, Dot and the Kangaroo not only a huge hit in Australia, but it was a hit in America as well. What? Yes. Not only when it was released in 1977, the year of Star Wars, but it was also a huge hit on the early days of HBO. It, HBO played the living hell out of this, and it became a beloved classic for Generation I X. I don't like that. <laughs> Oh, it gets better though. Here's the scariest part about this movie, Dot and the Kangaroo. The film only cost $250,000 in in Australian money to make. Okay. Um, Two thirds of the budget was provided by the Australian Film Commission. Uh, It's also won awards. And it's okay. also and it's also spawned eight sequels. Eight? Wait, did you say? I'm sorry, I, I blacked out for a second. <laughs> did you say eight sequels? Eight sequels. Yes. Um, so the first movie is called Dot and the Kangaroo, and, and out of them, and um, the other sequels. I, I won't go into the plots until the second half of the episode after we've watched the film, but I will let you know, Andy, the titles of these. So they 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 were right. so the 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 sequel didn't come out until 1981. So there was a, a time period from 1977 to 1981 where the world was deprived of Dot and her kangaroo. Oh, so it's following the same, uh, it's climbing the same ladder that Star Wars did. Okay. Pretty much, because the first sequel came out in 1981, and then the second sequel came out in 1983. So, yes. But, oh, God, Roy, what is this thing? So, the sequel is called Around the World with Dot. Okay. Followed by Dot and the Bunny, which was shown a lot on the Disney Channel in the 80s. Uh, Followed by Dot and the Koala. Followed by Dot and the Mosquito. Followed by Dot and the Whale. Followed by Dot and the Smugglers. (laughs) This took a turn. All right. Followed by Dot Goes to Hollywood. And wrapping up in the year 1994 with Dot in Space. With Dot in Space, huh? Yes. The franchise had nowhere else to go but outer space, apparently. I mean, it's... it's uh, Honestly, it's following the same chain as uh, Fast and the Furious. So, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I'm with that. Is Toretto in these movies? No, not at all. Oh, that's but, a shame. Uh, but someone by the name um, who is the person who is uh, the the platypus that splits in two um, is you were asking. His name is Spike Milligan. 
Um, he is a British-Irish comedian. He's also um, a writer, a poet, a playwright, and an actor. Um, he was on um, a British radio program called The Goon Show. Um, and he also uh, was a major influence for the members of Monty Python and actually inspired the comedy writings of Monty Python's um, Flying Circus. So his type of humor inspired that show. So needless to say, it's only natural that he would play the voice of a platypus in Australia. Two, the two, two, two. Yeah, two. Sorry, two platypuses in Australia. Uh, Dot and the Kangaroo. When, this film is animated. It, it, the characters are animated, but they are projected on actual like wildlife footage that's left over from Mutual of Omaha. That, uh, <laughs> oh God! That they act against, and the the plot is very simple. Um, I, we won't go into details or anything yet because. Andy hasn't seen it yet, and two, that's the second half point. But basically, what you just need to know is it's about a five-year-old girl named Dot who lives in the Australian bush area. Um, she <laughs> she gets lost. As bad, God, this is going to sound bad. She gets lost in the bush and um, is befriended by a red kangaroo who's lost her baby, Joey. So the two of them team up to not only find the baby Joey, but to help Dot get home. And okay. along the way, she learns a greater appreciation of nature. That is, Listen, the, that is the basic plot of the film. I already said, this is a jacked up Jungle Book. And what you just told me was, it was a jack, this is a jacked up Jungle Book. <laughs> this is the Australian version of a Jungle Book. <laughs> so, right, where's the line? <laughs> so the so the film was a huge success financially and critically and award and it was and it won awards in Australia and it made so much money that it allowed him to distribute the movie all over the world and it was a hit Dot and the Kangaroo was a hit and it's one of those films that you look at and at least for me I look at it and I say only in the 70s can a movie like this be made? If, if they were to try to make a movie like this today, it would be horrendous computer animation, and it would be dumbed down to even dumber than Dora the Explorer elements. It, it felt a little Dora the Explorer-y <laughs> to me when I watched that trailer you sent. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it definitely it it, it ha it's definitely a kids movie, and what made me think of it was as I mentioned, I was looking for um, a film for us to do called The Water Babies, right. and the, I, the Water Babies is also another uh, hybrid live action animated film, um, starring James Mason and David Tomlinson. Um, but I was, I wasn't finding any really good copies of it and there was no way in hell I was going to pay money for this stupid piece of shit. Um, and all of a sudden I saw Dot and the Kangaroo and I went, oh my God, I haven't thought of this film for years. And I remember watching it a lot on cable when I was a kid. So I started watching it. And then I immediately thought, oh, God, this needs to go on the show. <laughs> <laughs> like, I need to torture Andy with this. <laughs> I was like, oh, dear God, we have to talk about this thing. Um, so, so I gave up doing a movie about anthropomorphic underwater creatures and a 12-year-old British chimney sweep being chased down by James Mason. And also <laughs> this woman who played the uh, evil... Uh, nanny from the Omen uh, to do Dot and the Kangaroo. Well, the good news is there's always more. We can always do it. That's the good news. <laughs> you son of a bitch. You'll subject me to it. Don't lie. <laughs> so, um, so what are you... Uh, what are... Your expectations going into 
Dot and the Kangaroo. You know, I would love to sit here and tell you I had any at all, but I'm not sure that I do. Um, like I said, watch the trailer, and so you the trailer is a mix of two musical numbers. Oh, the trailer is five minutes long, too. Yeah. My yeah, God, Australia, nothing. why is your trailer five minutes long? They give you nothing about what the movie is is about, but they give you f- two musical numbers back to back. Quack. One is one is about ducks. <laughs> Quack. And one is about um, just I th- it, it was him singing about his when he became two platypi. <laughs> Which is, I still, I need some explanation on how one man becomes two platypus. <laughs> that, to me, that's that's super confusing. Um, but I and one male and one female, they're a married couple, and he's both of them. He's like uh, the firestorm of platypuses. <laughs> and and I just I don't I don't know what to expect. I think that's the. I think that's the part for me that's the weirdest about this one versus any of the other ones that you, you've you've foisted upon me <laughs> is that I have no idea what I'm walking into. Like, is it going to be a happy-go-lucky kids movie? Is it going to be depressing as shit? Is it going to be, you know... Well, I will me- let you know it's not Watership Down, so don't expect okay. Watership Down. It's, it's not Animal Farm? You're no, not making me it's not Animal, Animal Farm. Farm. It's not Bashki's Lord of the Rings or anything like that. <laughs> But that's but you know that's where I'm at. That's what I'm trying to figure out is what this. I'm going in as blind as I've gone into any of these films. So I don't know. I'm real. I'm as I'm as curious as you are as to what to expect at the other end of this uh, <laughs> tunnel that you're putting me in. The only thing you need to know about this one is is that it's an animated family musical. I don't feel like that's true. <laughs> I feel like that is the only thing I need to know, but I feel like I'll find out everything else I need to know as I go along. <laughs> it's not Crocodile Dundee, I'll tell you that. I, you're not going to see. Well, I'm out. <laughs> if like, it ain't got Paul Hogan, tell, tell your parents to buy Paul Hogan or they can go to hell. <laughs> Yeah, Dot's not going to walk up to a bunch of Aborigines and go, lots of knife. No, not cause that's not going to happen. <laughs> I don't know why that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so I'm, I'm, I'm in to find out what I'm getting myself into here. That's, that's where I'm at. Are you ready to dive into it? Let's do it, baby. All righty, when we come back, we will discuss our thoughts on the 1977 Australian animated hit, Dot and the Kangaroo. Some people ride camels and some prefer mules, while others ride turtles and don't they look old? But I curl up inside just enjoying the view as I ride in the pouch of a red as she rides in the pouch of a red kangaroo We fly through the air and bounce over the ground With a hippity-hoppity-thumpity sound The best fun in the world, and I tell you it's true Is to ride in the pouch of a red kangaroo Is to ride in the pouch of a red kangaroo You can walk if you like and get sunk in the rain But the best way to travel, the smart thing to do Is to ride in the pouch of a red kangaroo Is to ride in the pouch of a red kangaroo When you come with us, you'll know That's the way we go up to the sky and if you're too frightened you'd better not try 
But just stand aside at your hullabaloo They got Dot in the pouch of a red kangaroo Dot in the pouch Dot in the pouch Dot in the pouch Of a red kangaroo From down under, from down <laughs> producer producer from the desert of the real <laughs> producer Chris has joined us because while um, he was prepping in the kitchen, he was also sort of kind of paying attention to the movie as best as best as he could. Um, and um, what was your response when I asked you? Um, how do you think of the movie so far? This was a hit. <laughs> I agree. I agree 100% with what you just said. Ooh, this, I mean, there's... We've seen movies so far that um, have not aged well. And, uh, oh boy. Did this movie... Is it, uh, yes, we've seen movies that didn't age well. Did this, I, is this is this the Benjamin Buttons of movies? Did it age like was it old when they released it? Is that what happened? <laughs> I mean, I, I guess as a child, when you're watching this, it's one thing. But like looking at it, I don't even know because I don't even think a child today would be interested in this movie because it's just so. Boring. Yes, boring. Okay, so it's boring, yes, right? And I made a mistake. Oh, God. I had the day off, the movie? and I had a bunch of stuff to do, so I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to get up my north 7.30 in the morning, brew myself a pot of coffee, watch this movie. Oh, hell 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm watching this piece of garbage. You started your day with this movie? Yes, yes. It set the tempo for my entire day. And apparently my tempo was verge of epileptic seizure because this movie and the way that it's put together is just so jarring that it it was like it was like I was constantly like, am I am I like having that weird one episode of Pokemon seizure or am, am I watching <laughs> Because it's just like they would cut, but the way that they would do it, it's like they would try to get him to like run behind a tree, you know, and it would just like the tree would just appear and then disappear. It's like that tree, here's a tree, and it was just gone. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? And some of the, I mean, to get the 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 realness with the backgrounds and everything, it seemed like with some of the shots, like the one where she's tumbling down the hill, or more or less more or less flying down the hill. Actually, it seemed like they just threw the camera. Yeah. Yeah, but that rock is so smooth. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's from the years of kangaroo coming over. Yeah, and I was like, what? <laughs> 4,000 years of the kangaroos coming to this watering hole. Mm, I think you're a lion bitch, red kangaroo. <laughs> I, I hope you don't get yours in the end. Oh, Well, a million years is a long time. Jesus. <laughs> this movie, full, first of all, it's full of lies. <laughs> It's just a lie movie. I, the one the one thing I did say to Roy that he immediately responded with, you have to say that on the show, was I'm watching it. And what's striking me immediately is, so she takes off and finds this red kangaroo and then goes on this grand animal adventure. Mm-hmm. And the whole time you're thinking these, these ranchers are going to find her. Like, because they go out looking for her. And they're like, oh, well, they'll find her. And they never do. So she just keeps going deeper and deeper. And and here's the... mm, I have so many things to say. So, and I wrote wrote it, and I said, this prequel to Nell's amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, she obviously was just going to go completely native at some point. I have another plot problem with this. Okay. I have a lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) First of all, bitch, stop telling me to be quiet. Um, second of all, 
that damn red kangaroo, just be quiet. No, <laughs> shut up. Um, my my big plot problem is they had the 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 Council of Nicaea to decide what they were going to cut out of the, the Bush Bible, mm-hmm. and um, so she knows all the animals, all yeah. of them. Yeah, and you're telling me none of those animals can find find back the way that, that home with these particular ranchers. They're just like mm, we can't find it. Like yeah, right. Well, well, eventually they found that one bird that had the husky singing voice, but then when he talked, he sounded like uh, Michael Jackson on helium and led back to the ranch. But yeah, it took that long for the animals to realize, oh, that's where you live. Where in the meantime, she's sitting there and she's like, yes, I'm visited by by wombats and koalas and dingoes, and I'm like. So none of them exist in this forest. Do they like just come and visit you and then go somewhere like another bush area or something? What the hell? You know, listen. I, you know what it is about this movie? This is the one film where you want the dingo to eat the baby. <laughs> this movie is a direct allegory for the skin trade, and I'll tell you why. Um, <laughs> They're taking this little girl. They took her away from her home. Like she wandered off and they took her and they keep telling her to be quiet and don't raise her voice. And they just keep taking her further and further away. (laughs) I'm telling you, that's what this this is. a sex trafficking movie. That's what this is. Well, you know, she was led astray by that tit mouse or whatever the hell it was. So, and they also, it was also the matrix. Yes. Because you can't eat too much of the kangaroo food. Oh my god, yeah. So the, so the kangaroos in um, Australia, apparently in their pouches, carry the food of knowledge. Or or as you called it, the red pills. The red pills. <laughs> Which is funny the because ranch. they were red. She When she was eating them, they were red. So Yeah. You, you, that's where she decided to go back to the ranch. Yeah. Like, you can take the blue pill or the red pill if you... If you take if if you if you take the blue pill, if you take the red pill, you could go back to the ranch. If you take the blue pill, you can see just how far down the bush the rabbit hole goes. Yeah. I'll take the red pill. All right, well I guess we're gonna have to find our way back to the goddamn ranch. <laughs> can we can we talk for a second? And I just want to hear your take on the uh, oh what the what the fuck is that thing called the um. The bat, the the monster, the uh, oh, the bunyip. Yes, please tell me all about the bunyip and the Aboriginal art that I'm sure isn't racist at all. <laughs> well, I mean, when when they first talked about the bunyip, all of a sudden I hear producer Chris in the background go, "The bunion," and I'm like, "No, the bunyip, <laughs> bunyip." <laughs> Equally um, as annoying. Yes. Well, well, we learned that the bunyip is very tall. That the bunyip is very mean, and that the uh, bunyip apparently tastes good over rice. <laughs> <laughs> um, the bunyip actually looks like a 1950s anthropomorphical, um, um, uh, like cell, human cell. Because I think I saw yes. my, I think yes. I saw like the mitochondria. And- <laughs> And, and the nucleus inside of it. Uh, I was like, what the hell? And then, the, yeah, the aboriginal drawings that came to life um, during the song for the Bunyip. Stick figure theater, basically. Uh, I'm going, I you know, I've seen photos of aboriginal wall art in school, and I don't remember it ever looking like... Um, Okay, I'm aging myself here. If any of my of our listeners over the age of 35 have uh, remembered the show The Great Space Coaster growing up. Oh, yeah. And sure. there was this cartoon where this piece of chalk drew this guy that talked in type of voice. The, the chalk drawings looked like that character from The Great Space Coaster come to life in the middle of the water. Right. <laughs> which I didn't get. Um, yeah, the bunyip, um, um, well, it exists. I, I, I will say this. For all the movies that you've had me watch, mm-hmm. 
right? With the exception of Liquid Sky. <laughs> oh, God. This movie probably gave me more to talk about than any of than, than any of the other ones. Which is funny because it's it, it's one of our shorter films. It was it, even though it seemed long, it was only an hour ten minutes Listen, long. It's it's but it's butt to nuts with weird weird stuff. Well, it starts right off the bat with this you know this song, and we see her crying in the woods, and it, then we do the flashback of how she got to the woods. And then we're greeted by the kangaroo. And I, uh, you know what? I didn't know that the, the sounds that a kangaroo made were. <laughs> it's like, oh, so kangaroos sound like, you know, people smacking gum at the DMV it, all day long. Yeah, it sounds like a uh, macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, that's when, you know, she eats the food, the food of knowledge and the kangaroo's like, don't eat too much. You don't want too much knowledge. And I'm like, no, give this fucking girl some knowledge because she doesn't need to come back to this area ever again. And even though she's only five years old, bitch is stupid. <laughs> it was just what I don't understand. Like, I don't understand. Like, so because what they had to do was um, in order to get the information on how to get out of the woods, they had to go talk to the platypus. Yeah, well, for, you know, first they went to the Council of Animals who were like, we'll help you. Oh, we can't help you. Go speak to the platypus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that Council of Animals would have fit in better in the Gay Deceivers. <laughs> Oh yeah, there was a there was some flaming animals in that council. Let me tell you, especially that one koala that would that literally did the fey hand and went. Yeah. Oh, what do we do? I'm like, oh, what girl, do like. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and don't forget, don't forget the ducks before we get onto the platypuses. Oh, the ducks. The 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 well, not only the ducks who apparently were so afraid. What were ducks? Everything. What were ducks doing in the tree? Ducks don't go in the question. tree. It's a good question. The rocks were too slippery from millions of years of <laughs> I've never seen ducks in a tree. I mean, I'm, I'm like looking at them and they're on the branch of the tree and I'm like, that's not how their feet work. <laughs> no, it is not. And then we had, and in the middle of the duck song, we had the weird titmouse, uh, like, like hand slap game rhyme <laughs> Thing. I saw a girl in school. Her name was Susie Q. Yeah, yes. what? She, he ate a snake and got a belly ache. Like, okay. <laughs> pointless, okay. pointless filler. Pointless filler. Like but, why? Why is that in this? I have what no idea. This? I mean, I, I, I have no idea. This this movie is what you get when Alice and Dorothy have a kid and they feed it a full bottle of Nyquil. Well, that's what. Yes, I mean, somebody was somebody was robo tripping when they made this. Movie. <laughs> oh yes, oh, yeah. <laughs> this was this was a, a, this. I I'm gonna skip my next ayahuasca retreat and just watch this movie three times in a row. Yeah, this I think is, it'll get the same effect. This is what happens when you down an entire bottle of Robitussin. Yes, and you follow it with a bottle of Trimedic. So first of all, Trimedic tastes amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That was the gateway drug for us for kids. Are you kidding? That was the gateway drug. I, I, the last time I drank an entire bottle of Robitussin, I threw up on uh, Jimi Hendrix. So, um, <laughs> but, 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 Andy, uh, again, again, before we get to the uh, platypuses, I, I have to remind you. Platypi. Pl the platypi, yes, or the paradoxes, whatever the fuck they call themselves. Um, don't ever forget, you can travel by boat. No. You could travel by train. You could walk if you like and get soaked in the rain. And that fucking song is like teletubbied into our ass through this yeah. whole movie. You hear it three or four times. <laughs> that, that's the song you heard in the middle of the show, folks. You, you, you know what I heard when they started playing that song? I, I thought, thought to myself, I don't care how you get here, just get here if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Because, you know, you can travel by airplane. <laughs> you can travel by airplane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Um, I, I love the I love I love by the way that the musical score was supplied by 1970s Lawrence Welk episodes. Um, yeah, it was something special. Um, what were we supposed to be scared of? People or the bunyip or alligator? I don't. We were, I don't, well. The, well, apparently the frogs had no problem dancing on the alligator. That and I really like that we now know where the Budweiser frogs came from. Yes, Australia from yeah. on a log. A log. Yeah, what, the, the, what? I was like, this is the this is what that is. But the thing about the so they went and found the platypus to, to ask for the platypus's wisdom, and then we got the platypus song. And the, apparently, the platypuses were played by Australia's equivalent of the Ropers, um, <laughs> because they had that like attitude of the Ropers. And it's like, how dare you call us platypuses, you heathen? We're named Fatafluganpetapupu. Or whatever. The first thing that they say is, "Are you a documentary crew? Because I will cut you." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Are you gonna write a book about me? I hate yeah, humans right. who write a book about me." I'm like, "Oh my god!" She's Jesus. like, "I can't write a book," and I was like, "I don't know how to wipe myself either." You know, it's, it's that type of attitude she had throughout the whole thing. And they have major chips on their shoulders. I don't even know what more to say about this. Oh, yeah, there's the one more thing I can say about this. This movie, this this could be a prequel to Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know what shocked me about this movie when Roy told me that there were like three sequels. No, eight. Eight sequels. And my idea is like, oh, okay, well, Dot and the Kangaroo Part 2... The Human Harvesting. Right. Yes. Dot and, the kangaroo, Dot and the Kangaroo Part 3, The Bloodletting. <laughs> yes, because, I mean, because, well, first of all, we have the, the, the Aborigine scene when, yeah. they're, yes. when they're depicting the, uh, the hunt. Which, by the way, that was some of the most stoic animated choreography I've ever seen. I mean, Hanna-Barbera was more animated than that on Johnny Quest. And it's just the way that they were doing it, the animation, and then their lives go in peril with the dingoes who almost ate the baby, but Wish they had. but instead jumps at the kangaroo and then falls down the hill, Johnny Quest style. <laughs> um, um, we we're we're led to believe that the kangaroo is about to die, but then we find out that in the Australian bush outback, if you scratch the ground, water magically appears. Sure, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, it normally happens of in course. any place. Like, and, like on Tatooine, for example. Yes. <laughs> so they so Dot nurses her back to health, which makes me at that point go, How long has she been in this goddamn bush if <laughs> she's been sitting there giving her wa- ground groundwater and these flowers to heal her? Yes. Yes. And then, and then we get to the end, which is just it happens. It's like they find they finally find this bird that will lead them there, the the, the twitty twit tit willow, whatever the hell it is. And he's like, Oh yeah, I know where you live, and leads her to the ranch, which apparently the people at the ranch have given up on faith and hope and finding her. After five minutes. A- after five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> after one scene of them like, Well, I hope that she comes back, but I'm not and they the ranch hands literally said but i'm uh, basically this i don't remember the exact quote but they were like but uh i'm not holding out hope that's gonna happen let's go back to the ranch yes <laughs> I love, yeah i love that turns all red dead redemption at that point <laughs> yeah, I was like, Whoa. and so she runs back and she's like that's okay dear we'll have another child to lose in five years <laughs> She runs back to the ranch. She tell she asks the kangaroo to come with her, and she's like, "No, I belong in the wild, child." And you know, she starts telling you know all Wizard of Oz style about her adventure with the kangaroo, and she tries to show, I guess, her grandma, mother, whatever the hell she is, grandma, like, gra- grandma, mommy, grandma, mommy, yes, um, about the kangaroo, and the kangaroo is gone, and the bird tells her, you know, she has to live on her own life, sister wife. <laughs> And Kangaroo is running away as fast as Kangaroo can. And we see Kangaroo 
the live-action kangaroo wipe tears away from its eyes <laughs> while Dot is crying to death on this Screaming fence. For her kangaroo. Screaming for the kangaroo. Kangaroo! Kangaroo in the Kangaroo! Kangaroo, meanwhile, is like, no, no, fuck this, bye. Uh, oh, and, I'm out. And by the way, did we mention that the kangaroo lost her baby Joey in a apparent aboriginal hunting accident <laughs> I'm just I'm, this whole movie is jacked up I, I'm like what the hell I'm not going to let another, another child be left behind okay George Bush thanks for that <laughs> not so even, I'm just going to take this not kangaroo into the bush where I'm going to make it Nell and then <laughs> Liam Neeson's going to find him <laughs> tested for many chlorians yes because <laughs> it can talk to animals yeah. I mean not even Dumbo was this depressing and that says a lot it's just the way it ends it's it, sad it's like even Chris was like the way it ended, when the credits started rolling he's like that's it that's how it ends I'm like yep that's how it ends I, I, why do you think there's sequels Make it happy, Eight of them. Eight of them. So Eight speak, of them. Speaking of the sequels, let's examine those sequels real quick. <sighs> all right. So, uh, the, so, so the, it went all like Land Before Time, basically. So as, as I pointed out, the first sequel came out in 1981. Now, as we also mentioned, this film came out at around the same time in Australia, at least, but not in America. But around the same time in Australia as Star Wars in 1977. Right. The sequel came out around the same time as Empire Strikes Back in 1981. And the sequel is called Around the World with Dot. In some places, it's also known as Dot and Santa Claus. Oh. And it's about Dot joining Santa Claus on a tour of the world... Searching for the kangaroo's long-lost beloved Joey, meanwhile learning about how different countries celebrate Christmas. What? Yes. The Joey's dead. <laughs> so, yes. So, it was released in 1981 in Australia. It came to America uh, in 1982. Believe it or not, it was a hit, but it wasn't in the box office. It was on cable. But because kids remembered Dot and the Kangaroo from HBO and the Disney Channel, Around the World with Dot, or Dot and Santa Claus, however you say, it was a hit. So, needless to say, since it made a buttload of money in Australia and was a hit in America, in 1983, around the same time Return of the Jedi was released, we got Dot and the Bunny. No. Dot and the Bunny were simultaneously released in 1983 Wait, in did, did America. Did they ever find the Joey? Hold, hold on, we'll get there. Oh, God. So it was released simultaneously in 1983 in America and Australia. Dot decides to venture back out into the Australian bush, not by her house, determined to finally locate the little lost Joey and reunite him with her friend, the Red Kangaroo. On her way, she meets a rabbit who tries to convince Dot that he himself is the Joey that she's looking for. What? Yes. <laughs> Dot reunites with all of her friends in the bush, so everyone we met in the first movie, we meet again in the third movie. Friends that didn't like her. <laughs> well, apparently they're friends now, and they have all new songs. Oh. In fact, the platypus, uh, the platypus couple has a song about eating termites. Oh, and they... I want to punch this synopsis <laughs> in the face. <laughs> um, then we find out during this journey that the bunny is actually an abandoned bunny because his entire family was killed by hunters and he's been on his own ever since. Okay. Okay, so keep that plot point in mind. After countless wandering around, they can't find the baby Joey... They go to uh, the red kangaroo and and explain this to her. And the kangaroo's like, yes, I don't think I'm ever going to find my baby Joey at all. And Doc goes, well, here. Here's a suitable substitute for your Joey. He bounces like a kangaroo. 
And the red kangaroo adopts the bunny. Aww. Then Joey comes back for vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> Joey now, hooks up with the bunyip and uh, <laughs> forms a league of evil. Yes. Now, this could have been a nice way to wrap up the trilogy. That even you know, even though tragedies happen, out of tragedy comes love and hope and blah blah blah. No, this was the eighties. So, in 1984 came Dot and the Koala, which never got released in America, by the way. In fact, every sequel I'm about ready to release now after Dot and the Bunny never got re- an American release. All right. So, Dot and the Koala reunites us with the koala that was in the gum tree who talked in the first movie that talked like a stoner. Um, she has to come to her to her friend, which we find out by the way the koala's name is Bruce. To the, <laughs> yes, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Is this the koala that was in the tree with the fey hand? Yes, Bruce. his name is Bruce. His name is Bruce. Of course, okay. his name is Bruce. Um, the 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 humans are going to build a massive dam that will destroy the environment of the of the koalas. But the local farm animals believe that the creation of the dam will catapult their small country town into the 21st century. With both sides fighting for what they believe is right, Dot plans to wipe out the dam are jeopardized by the local detectives Sherlock Bones the Rat and Watson the Cat. Oh my god. I want to punch that in the face, too. (laughs) So... Apparently that was a hit in Australia because the very next year in 1985, we got Dot and the Keto, which is short for Mosquito. Uh. So Dot finds another magical knowledge root, but this time it shrinks her down to the size of an insect. And she's suddenly alone in a world of giant, of giant bush but giant animals and giant insects. Giant bush, wow. <laughs> <laughs> However, her previous good deeds in rescuing a helpless mosquito and a dragonfly from the first story, which didn't happen, <laughs> there was never a scene in the first movie where she rescues a dragonfly and a mosquito. That's true. By this point, no one remembers this shit. <laughs> And apparently rescued them from the perils of a spider. It guarantees Dot passage in the world of the mosquito. And with the aid of Keto the mosquito, Butterwalk the caterpillar, and a surprise visit from her old friend the rabbit, they set <laughs> off on a grab adventure to discover a way to return to her original size. This is some damn knockoff of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> so that one apparently was a hit because in 1986, Australia released Dot and the Whale. <sighs> Dot and yeah. the Whale starts off with a retelling of the story Moby Dick. It turns out that this is actually Dawn using her imagination to think about Moby Dick as she's reading it. So she then afterwards decides to go out to play in her in her swimming pool. So apparently now she's got a swimming pool in the boot in the bush, and in the swimming pool she has a dolphin named Nelson, and the dolphin teaches her how to hold her water her breath underwater for a very long time. And also how to communicate underwater. Ugh, alright. So while this is going on, suddenly they hear the whale, uh, they hear the cries of a beached whale named Tonga. Wait a minute, wait a minute. So now apparently they've moved from the bush to the (laughs) coast of Australia. So they dive into the ocean on the other side of the cliff that they live on to check what's going on. And they are now trying to gather up all of... Um, the sea creatures to save the beached whale Tonga, who actually turns out to be directly related to Moby Dick. No. Yes. Did they have twenty three and me? Um, and so, and, and so, and so, 
in order to convince <laughs> Tonga to come back to the sea, he doesn't want to go back into the sea because of the destruction of the ecosystem that's going on there because of this oh, local... Oh, it's a message movie. Yeah, because of the this local transport company. Dot and the sea creatures have to travel up to the Arctic Ocean to find his uncle, Moby Dick, to get Moby Dick to have him come back into the ocean. This makes me so mad. Did they ever build a highway? <laughs> this makes me so bad. Uh, we don't know. So, so that movie was a hit. So in 1987, we got not one, but two Dot sequels. First, Dot and the Smugglers. Here, see, I told, I done told you. Where's the lie? Where's the lie? Sex trade. This time, Dot not only has her human, not only has her animal friends join her, but now she's taught a couple of human friends how to communicate with the animals. So apparently now she holds the food of knowledge. And they have to fight off these smugglers who are working for a circus because they're after the legendary Bunyip, which turns out to be real. I don't, I don't, okay. So that's, that's the, fine. That's the plot of Dot and the Smugglers. Later that year, we get Dot goes... And the Easter Bunny. <laughs> no. Dot and... Uh, Dot goes to Hollywood. Boy. No, no, no. Yes. The bun- The story of the Bunyip cat- captivates the entire world. So Dot and a new koala named Gumley, who are seen dancing and singing in the streets of Sydney, along with the Bunyip, go to Australia to make a movie. I mean, go to Hollywood to make a movie. Dot meets a number of famous people at the studio. However, it's all a ruse to get Gumley and send him to the Los Angeles Zoo. Oh my god. So it is up to Dot and the Bunyip and her Hollywood friends to save Gumley from the zoo. Isn't this a plot to Bill and Ted Strikes Back? Not Bill and Ted. No, not Bill and Ted. Uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. <laughs> Isn't this a plot to that? It's kind of similar. Or the sequel? I don't know. What so, that was the last Dot movie. Thank God. Until 1994. God damn it. Oh, right. Dot and Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert. Yeah. No, no. Chupalum, Foo, Dot, thanks for everything. Dot. Julie Dotmar. <laughs> now, when a franchise has really gone on too long, like, just this one. like this one has. Five sequels too long. What is the next logical step for the franchise. Dot in Space. You got it. 1994 was Dot in Space. Was she on the Challenger? (laughs) Please. (laughs) No. Here's the plot. Dot decides to rescue Wicca, a Russian space dog who is circling the Earth trapped in a broken satellite. After making her way to the Space Lab's complex, she trades with the space monkey Buster then pilots an American rocket and sets course to rescue Wicca. After a successful rescue, they both end up stranded on an alien planet, where a dictator named Papa Drop rules over people who are proudly shaped in a round called the Roundies, and ostracizes people who do not have this round perfection. Dot makes her escape and helps the party, in fact, Papa's defective son, Roly, to turn the Roundies army against Papa and enable everyone to accept each other no matter what their size. And then she I'm returns. I'm literally crying. And then she returns. I have real human tears coming out of my face right Wait now. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What happened to the Joey? <laughs> I guess dead. I don't know. Okay. However, we did get a Dot and the Kangaroo animated series. A Isn't reboot? this an animated series? Isn't that what this is? A reboot? I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. But, uh, yeah, that is the Dot and the Kangaroo 
franchise. Aren't 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 you glad you never saw them? So didn't they just recycle all these plot lines for the Nicole Kidman Australian movie? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just put them all together. At least that you saw Hugh Jackman's butt. Listen, this movie was produced um, and funded by Yahoo Series. <laughs> so, uh, any any final thoughts on Dot and the Kangaroo guys? I don't regret seeing it. I do. <laughs> Can we recommend this movie to anybody? Uh, yes. Yes. I want to see, I want everyone to watch it. Friday at ten o'clock in the in the morning. <laughs> We're gonna take back small business by giving America a seizure across the board. So if nobody shops on Black Friday, then you know then people will stop doing it. We can get more small businesses started. So everybody watch it at ten o'clock by ten fifteen. From about ten fifteen to about ten thirty, nothing is going to happen in America. And uh, we can we can all move forward as a country. There you go. <laughs> wow. So we're going to now move on to um, our next film. Our December. Give me something, Give me something our, I can our, use. Our December movie. Mm-hmm. So we are jumping from the the seventies in Australia. Mm-hmm. Back literally, to, literally jumping like the kangaroo. Yes, because you know you can ride by coach, you can ride by a train, you, you, can, can, you can walk you, you if you like, and get soaked in the rain. You can Just get here if you can. You can flop like a fish, or 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 fuck like a rabbit. And or, I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm not leaving. You're the best kangaroo I ever knew. So, um, the shit you make us watch. <laughs> so we're, we're jumping You've to the year. Me. I'm no longer a man. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, we're jumping to the year 1990 for our next movie. All right. So 1990 was an interesting year because it wasn't the eighties, but it wasn't the nineties as we know it yet. Sure. Um, so it was that whole new kids on the block, Wilson Phillips phase. <laughs> yes. Okay. Dude, I'm, I'll just hold on for one more day. <laughs> Um, our next film uh, is directed by Stuart Gordon. Oh shit! Okay, I'm here for this. Now, as as I said, you know, December it's it's Christmas, so it's it's time to I think um, Andy to give you a gift. I'm I'm, I'm I want that gift. The gift of song. <laughs> <laughs> God, can you imagine? <laughs> Can you imagine Stuart Gordon directed a musical? Oh my god! Great, I'm in. So the movie that I am giving you to watch, Andy, yes, is the Ultimate Killing Machine, part man, part metal. Two men, two machines, too wild. I am talking robot jocks. Yes, it's time, baby. <laughs> yes. Yes! Robot Jocks, starring Gary Graham from a, a, from um, the... Uh, oh, God, what was the name of that series? It was no uh, Alien Nation, the TV series. Yes, yes, yes. And Anne-Marie Johnson from In the Heat of the Night. God, and, and a bunch of shitty robots. And a bunch of shitty robots from the imagination of Charles Band. <laughs> so... <laughs> We we are going with Robot Jocks for our next movie, and this is a first in the show. This is the first movie we're covering that both Andy and I have seen. Uh, so it'll be like watching it all over again and and seeing if it's held the test of time since we last saw it. Uh, well, here's the thing: it was never great. No, <laughs> are you kidding? Are you kidding? It was released by Charles Band by, through Empire Video. Or, or, you know, it did get a theatrical release, but Charles Band's not known as a benchmark of quality. Let's be honest here, folks. You watch yeah, a Char- we on the Blu-ray. <laughs> you watch a Charles Band movie for for other reasons. <laughs> so. Sure, sure. I'm, I'm into this. Yes, let's do this. All right. I'm very excited. 
So again, um, you can find us on Facebook. Just look for Cult Cinema Catacombs. You can also follow us on Twitter at um, that little A thingy. These films exist. And we will return in December with Robot Jocks. And don't tell you. <laughs> uh, so basically, God and the Kangaroo and the whole goddamn series is just basically a story about a girl and her burgeoning femininity. <laughs> I, I think you're trying right. To make, trying to make her way through the bush. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. There it is. Trying to understand by talking to platypuses. Oh, yes. let's go to Chick-fil-A and not tell anybody. Alrighty, guys. <laughs> we'll see you next month. Bye. <laughs>